Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Cynthia Pooler from Focus on Albany, and my guest today is Assemblyman John McDonald. And Assemblyman McDonald will, will be talking and sharing his views on the governor's state of the state message. So I'm sure you listened or watched all four segments. What do you think? Give us a, a quick rundown. Well, well, first of all, I will say this. It was completely different than what we've done in the past. Usually a lot of pomp and circumstance, and the governor would go on and, and speak for an hour, hour and 20 minutes, hour 30 right. maybe at times. And, and then, as you know, Cynthia, because you're a regular down there at the Capitol, all the hoopla that would go on after with all the receptions and things. This year, completely different. Wherever you were, right. if you had Internet access, you are able to watch it. Um, and the governor actually had the opportunity to take a larger platform for four days in a row. And usually mm-hmm. about 30, 35 minutes each time, um, hit on some important themes, and we should talk about them. You know, obviously okay. mm-hmm. he made it very clear about the vaccination effort and how we need to be all rowing in the right direction on that aspect. Uh, made it very clear that New York State has been not only with the amount of deaths lost impacted by COVID-19, but just as importantly in regards to the fact that we have been hurt economically and in many aspects, not just state budget, but family budgets, um, local government's budgets, the whole nine yards. And that's challenging to itself as well. So, you know, I, he, he's made it very clear. He's expecting, and we're praying, that Joe Biden is going to come true on what he's saying. I think the results of um, January 5th, which basically vaulted Chuck Schumer into the majority position, is extremely helpful. And as you know, last night, President-elect Biden laid out his concepts for the $1.9 billion economic relief package. So uh, the, the governor took a good bet. Um, honestly, we were in a tough position and hopefully, hopefully, and I know we'll talk over the coming months, uh, this will work out to New Yorkers benefits, New Yorkers benefit, excuse me. I think the other so, exciting, and let's, well, go ahead, go ahead. Cynthia. What did you, what did you hear that you thought was innovative and exciting? Well, what's exciting is closer to home. The whole green energy component, you know, yes, it's important that we continue to focus on reaching our goals that we laid out in the Climate Change Protection Act, which I supported. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about solar and and the siting process. What is often lost in this discussion about renewable energy is getting it from point A to point B. And this has been something that governor after governor after governor after governor have kind of not really addressed, which is, we need to build, for the first time in 30 or 40 years, new transmission devices to transmit this renewable energy. And that's been a, a very big Achilles uh, heel in regards to our goals towards reaching renewable energy. What is truly most exciting back closer to home is the announcement of something that myself and Pat Fahey and Neil Breslin and Kathy Sheen and Dan McCoy have been working together along with neighborhood 
folks like Carolyn McLaughlin and Willie White and Tom McPheeters to see the sighting of the first in the country wind manufacturing facility, wind turbine manufacturing facility in the Port of Albany. Um, the Port of Albany, as you know, is in Albany, but also the port being proactive. Three years ago when this discussion of wind energy was coming up, purchased 80 acres of land over in Bethlehem, which is adjoining. It's right there mm-hmm. at the port. The same, and, 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 and there now we have been awarded. We are, this has been a sighted spot. Um, the, the winner is going to invest over $330 million in building these significantly large manufacturing facilities that will just bring 500 construction jobs alone to the site. But just as importantly, if not more importantly, we are establishing a new career for many individuals who don't even know who it's going to be. It's going to be a good three to 500 and if not more jobs, good middle-class construction trade jobs in regards to the manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. The labor trades, which we're great partners with, are very much involved. And what's great is that uh, the the contractor or the, the, the winning bidder, as part of their package, was smart. They are required, and they are required to fund this, to create a wind industry, wind industry institute for job training. So think of those young men and young women that are either in high school trying to contemplate their next steps or maybe those 20-somethings, even 30-somethings that kind of haven't really figured out where they want to go or want to look in a different direction. We are going to have a training institute to teach them how to work in these facilities. And I think that's a credit to all of our local partners working together. I think it's a credit to the neighborhood who's saying here in the South Bend, we, we, we think – that this is an important aspect, and I can tell you, because I was involved in many of the negotiations and conversations, um, one of our biggest um, comments to Equinor and and the other companies was, we want to make this something that not only the South End will benefit, but the capital region as well. And to create that next industry, it reminds me of when my grandfather, um, who's long past, but, you know, back in the early 1900s, the railroad industry was his industry. That's what that's what was made him be able to raise his family in the middle class. Mm-hmm. This wind industry is what's going to allow future families to to grow up in the middle class and and, and great opportunity. So, to me, that is arguably the most exciting exciting item that came out of uh, the governor's state of the state address. One one thing that really it sparked my interest when the governor was talking about how COVID changed everything and we are more dependent on technology than ever before. And, you know, the, a couple of years ago, there was a proposal in the uh, Common Council on Albany for Municipal Internet. How do you feel about our uh, uh, our increasing dependence on technology, and what do you think about municipal internet? So, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about the digital divide, and when you talk about increased broadband investment, everyone thinks the North Country and cell towers. But the truth of the matter is that's important, 
but just as importantly is affordable access to families, particularly of low to moderate income. And that's where the governor talked about a couple different components. I want to mention both. Obviously, the one where uh, income-qualified families would be able to have reliable, strong Internet access at $15 a month, which is much more reasonable than what, you know, the average person's paying now, which is anywhere between 50 to $100 a month. Mm-hmm. And, yes, you're right. He actually brought up the discussion and topic that I remember having 20 years ago when I was mayor of the city of Cahos about municipal Internet. And to be honest with you, I followed it very close because I was always intrigued by it because it really is a public utility. The question is, is the municipal government going to run it or is the municipal government going to sponsor it and manage it? How is that going to look? Because let's face it, right now, yes, local governments run water and sewer, but they don't run power and light. They don't run gas and electricity. So Mm -hmm. how do we get there is the question that's going to be important. I've always been intrigued by it. Chattanooga, Tennessee has always been the pioneer right. throughout the country. Uh, but you've mm-hmm. also seen cities like Philadelphia fail and fail miserably doing it too. So I, I think it's worth exploring. I don't know if it's for every community, mm-hmm. but for communities, particularly those that are struggling uh, with poverty, and you know Albany and Troy are the two highest, although my other three cities struggle with it in the 13 to 14%. In, 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 you know, Troy and Albany are usually 19 to 20, if not 22% poverty. Mm-hmm. If there's a way to help subsidize it, to provide low-cost, effective, if not free, Internet, it's something we need to explore. The You know, we've always talked about getting a book in a child's hand John, at the earliest of all ages. Yes. John, yes. Uh, our time is up to today, so we will have this discussion on a weekly basis. And I look forward to talking with you about what's going on down at the state legislature and what initiatives the governor is proposing. So, Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to everybody. And we will talk again. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia.